Hey everyone, welcome to the Hometown Fresh podcast, the show that talks all things grocery, customer service, career development, and more. I'm Gracie, social media coordinator for Harps Food Stores, and today we'll be hearing from our director of training and leadership development, Bob Arthur, as well as special guest, Kim Eskew, our very own CEO, as we discuss the concept of how to practice humility. Bob leads our Harps Learning You program here at the company and provides associates and listeners alike with the skills they need to be successful, not only in the business world, but in life. Take it away, gentlemen. Well, thanks, Gracie. It's uh, great to be here again today. So we have to ask you a question. Has anything interesting happened in your life over the last couple weeks or so? Oh, gosh. I got engaged. Yeah, yeah. I did, and the wedding's in October, so okay. it's a quick timeline, but we're excited. Well, that's great. Oh, we're excited <laughs> for you. That's Thank really you. good. I know you've mentioned a boyfriend here for a while, and now and we see a ring on your finger. So that yeah. that's, those are exciting <laughs> days. That's really good. So. Absolutely. Kim, it's great to have you here with us today. And, you know, we've talked about this some, about this topic of humility and leadership and how important that is. And so thanks in advance for your willingness to uh, share really about your journey. And your journey to humility, I guess, is a good way to put that. And so uh, feel free to just share with us uh, your experience, and I know we'll gain from it. Okay, Bob. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be able to join you. And uh, I think for many of us, humility doesn't come naturally. It's, True. Yes. It's kind of like we're not naturally selfless. We're naturally selfish. And, and I think to some degree, being selfish and humility don't exactly go hand in hand together. We are born with certain tendencies that we have to fight against at times. And pride is one of those. Yeah. And I know that can be an issue for me, and I think maybe an issue for lots of people. Yes, I would be in that group. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and sometimes the more successful you are, the bigger that problem becomes, or, or it can, unless, and I use the word intentional a lot, but unless you intentionally fight against that to try to not be prideful. I think I've, I've shared with you before, in my job, I've gotten to meet some, some really influential people and some people who were really, really successful. Some of those people were also really, really arrogant and full of themselves. And honestly, after I met them, I would come away disappointed a little bit. But occasionally, I met someone that had accomplished a lot, written a lot of books. If, if I mentioned their name, lots of people would know their name. And that person turned out to be really, really humble. And I always walked away enormously impressed. And I think that's true for most of us, that if we're really honest, arrogance is not attractive and humility is always impressive. Yeah, it's a good word. But you have to fight. <laughs> you know, you have to fight to be humble, I think. And in my career with Harps, I went to college. I didn't intend on, on being in the grocery business. And then I decided that I would be. And then after graduating from college, when I was 23 years young, that was a long time ago, I became a grocery manager. And, and I had to move from Springdale to Mountain Home, Arkansas. And I was the grocery manager there at 23. And, you know, when you're 23, I looked much younger than 23. Most people mm. probably look at me and they thought, well, that's a high school kid. And then suddenly I'm supervising people who are a lot older than I am. Mm. And that can be challenging. And if I had been 50 years of age or, or middle-aged, it might've been easier, 
than I was 23 and fresh out of college. And I am certain to this day, if if you would quiz some of those folks that worked with me and that uh, they probably thought, yeah, you were a hot shot. You know, you thought you were something. Yeah. Now, my recollection was I felt really insecure and I didn't feel like a hot shot, but I could see how at 23, I could come across that way. And I think that's the way it is a lot of the times for us. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not prideful and I'm not arrogant, but you can project that sometimes unintentionally. And and then when somebody points it out to you, you may realize that, well, it's how I'm going about my job that's creating this image of being prideful. But sometimes, you know, it's just the real truth shining through. And I started off being a grocery manager right out of college, and but I had a clear idea that I wanted to be a store manager. And, well, how do you get to be a store manager? Well, by doing a great job as a grocery manager. And you hope then when a store manager position opens up that they'll pick you for that job. And, and back in 1980, we only had a store manager position open up maybe once every two to four years. And so you really felt like, I want to get the first one that opens up because, you know, back when you're 23, waiting four or five years seems like a really long time. Yeah, that's no doubt. Yeah. And so you're impatient. So in a struggle to impress people, look good, get credit for it, I probably violated every rule of humility if there are rules for it. Because, you know, I wanted to shine. And I tell people in in one of the presentations I do that, you know, if you want to land the job of your dreams, you've got to shine in the job you have now. And and I still believe that's true, but you can't shine and be arrogant at the same time. I mean, there has to be humility associated with that. And that's tricky. Uh, that's, That's tricky to do, and it's tricky to project to other people. And I sometimes think the younger you are, the harder it is because you're also dealing deep down, if you're honest, with a great sense of insecurity. You know, you don't have the experience. You haven't been in the grocery business 20 or 30 years and have all that behind you. And so deep down, you're a bit insecure. And sometimes you overcome that by coming across as being uh, arrogant. True. And I think I did all those things. I didn't mean to. And, uh, and I think sometimes today, you know, we have people who are in a similar position. They're wanting to shine. And that's a slippery slope between shining and becoming so focused on yourself that you forget, well, I'm supposed to be managing other people and helping other people be successful and have great careers. And so I learned some really, really valuable lessons in Mountain Home, Arkansas, in my first experience in real management for harps. And one of those, I've told this story many times, but one of them had to do with the supervisor that I had to deal with over there, who was vice president of harps and was part owner of harps uh, in those days. And uh, his name was Raymond Plaster. And uh, Raymond and I got sideways with each other many times. And, And Raymond, honestly, was an arrogant man. And, and he was not humble at all. And so here you have, in many ways, maybe two type A personalities, uh, both of them really focused on themselves and really wanting to take credit for every good thing and not take the blame for anything. And I didn't consciously do that, but when I look back on it now, I, I realize that 
might be pretty accurate description of my attitude in those days. And one day after I'd gotten in trouble and at the end of it, he looked at me and he said, he said, Kim, you know what your problem is? And I didn't know what my problem was, but I knew he was fixing to tell me. Uh, He said, you think that just because you're right and that you can prove it, that I ought to do whatever it is that you want to do. And he said, but because I'm the boss and I own this company, I don't have to. Now, a real simple principle applies here is he's right. I am not the boss. He is. He's also right that when you're not the boss, you don't get to tell the boss how to do his job. It's the other way around. And he's also right in that he gets the credit. You know, when you're the boss, you can take all the credit if you want to, or you can give it away. One of those two things. And uh, he wanted the credit, and so did I. But we both weren't going to get the credit. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I figured out, he's right, I've been going about this all wrong. I started, if I had an idea, I would plant the seed, and then I would let him tell me to do it eventually. And when it was his idea, it was okay. Sure. Just so it wasn't my idea. Uh, and then I would tell him, you know, what a great idea it was. And that worked like a charm. Mm-hmm. And before I left, after he wanted to fire me four times in the first year there, before I left, he actually liked me. I think he believed I was doing a good job. And it was all because I changed. Mm-hmm. He didn't change. He was the same guy. But I changed. Uh, and I changed how I dealt with him. And I I tried as best I could at that time to change what my attitude was about the job. You know, no one likes arrogant people. And he didn't like me when he thought I was arrogant. And I was fortunate after that, that after a couple of years in Mountain Home, we purchased a store in Fort Smith, and I got picked to be the store manager of that store in Fort Smith. Now, you would have thought I would. I had learned my lesson about arrogance and so forth, but that was not true. I still had some growing up to do. I was just 25 uh, when I got that job in Fort Smith. And again, I wanted to shine. And ultimately, my dream job was to go back to Mountain Home and be the store manager in Mountain Home. That was, that was the job I really wanted. And my belief was, well, I've got to be nearly perfect in uh, my current job in order to get picked to go back to Mountain Home. And if anybody's ever worked for a perfectionist, that's not a good person to work for. Uh, yeah, and True. It's very difficult. You're right. And I fell back into that same rut of pushing myself and everybody else to be perfect. You know, no mistakes. And I wasn't very tolerant. mistakes. And I really wasn't very good at dealing with people because I was totally focused on me. Mm. I was too driven, too focused on myself. And once again, I was wanting to get credit for every good thing that we did. And I wasn't thinking about enabling other people to fulfill their dreams for their careers. You know, I was just thinking about myself. And I was in that store for about three and a half years. And along the way, You know, I rubbed several people the wrong way. If you had done a survey of what the employees thought of me at that moment in my career, I don't think it would have turned out very good. Mm. It may have been pretty accurate, but I wouldn't have liked what it looked like. And fortunately for me, 
a time came when they wanted they wanted me to transfer uh, to another store in Fort Smith. And you know, sometimes you make enough mistakes, you wrong enough people that in that store that I was at, sometimes even though you're trying to change, it's hard to leave that past behind. And while you might be doing better, you still might occasionally fall back into those old routines and people would all, yeah, that's the Kim Eskew we know. Uh, and so I actually think that getting to change stores was a huge benefit for me that I didn't realize would be at the time because I got a fresh start. And I was able to correct a lot of the mistakes I'd made in the previous store right from the get-go and therefore not burn those bridges, not create those bad relationships, and I think have a much better environment and a much better culture in that store, which ultimately the bad culture at the other store was me. It started with me and could have taken that with me, but decided, no, I can't do that again. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I did better. I think I had learned something by that time. Everything went really well at that store, and I was there six months, and unbelievably, the Mountain Home Store job came open, and I got the phone call, and they wanted me to go back to Mountain Home, which was my dream job. Yeah. And in 1986, July of 1986, actually, I got to return to Mountain Home as the store manager, and really, that was a great blessing I got plugged into a great church in Mountain Home with a gentleman named Sam Bailey was the pastor. Sam and I are friends to this day. He has a great church there in Mountain Home. I learned a lot from him, and, and we had a great staff at Mountain Home that I inherited. I didn't hire them. I didn't train them. I just knew them, and I knew them from my previous time in Mountain Home and had great respect for them because I had been just a peer when I had been there earlier, and, and I saw how hard they worked, how well they did, how much they knew about the business. So when I went back, I thought, man, I am inheriting a great, great store full of people that know their jobs, and that was really true. Uh, And I saw my job more of just enabling them and giving the tools and the support they needed in order to be successful. And I also felt this huge burden of sorts lifted from my shoulders because now I didn't feel like I had to be perfect in order to get that next job that I wanted because this was the job that I wanted. And so some of the pressure for perfection was taken off of me, and I was able to relax a little bit. And I think that was good for everybody. Sure, of course. You know, <laughs> and then you consciously try to, to be a better boss and to be more focused on other people and less focused on yourself. And that's, for many of us, that's just not natural. It's true. We're oriented to go towards self all the time. You're right. Absolutely. And I, to this day, you know, I still can fall back into those same thought patterns, you know, and forget that, look, we're much better served to focus on others rather than ourselves. That time in Mountain Home, particularly that last four years that I was in Mountain Home, I learned that lesson. Because uh, we were really successful. That was our largest and most profitable store before I left. We did the most volume. We made the most money. You know, I would argue we had the best people. And my job was to take care of all those people Mm. and to support them, encourage them, be there for them. 
and that's that's how I grew to think about it. And I think that made me a much better boss, a much better person. And honestly, it made my life much more happy. Sure. My whole life got immeasurably better during that four years in Mountain Home. And you would think that because of that is probably one of the primary reasons why Mountain Home was the best store. Because you had great people, but I, I have a sense that once you started in, you know, focusing on them, investing in them, caring about them, that their level of engagement may have gone up a little bit. I, I just can't help but think that it's correlated when we have that type of leadership and we focus on the relationships that the results that we're looking for, they do come, you know, and so uh, there has to be somewhat of a correlation there. I understand it was the best store we had, but was it best by far? I guess I should ask that question. Yes. And, and, you know, my memory's a bit foggy on it now because I, I don't know by how much it was best, but we had a just, and continue really to this day to have a, a real successful run in Mountain Home. Mountain Home, Arkansas has been really good to Harps as mm. a company. Yeah. And it's produced lots of uh, really great, wonderful people. And I, even to this day, when I think about the people that were there in Mountain Home with me during that time, I just think we had the best people that, that you could ask for. And, and that just that just made everything come together. And honestly, I had worked far harder physically and otherwise, at all my previous stores. You know, it's fun and it's easy to be an encouragement to other people and to make other people feel valued, important, and needed. And sometimes, I think most people are also like me in this regard. Well, why does it matter? What's the big deal? I'm not a big deal. So if I say you did a good job, why does that matter so much? I struggle to think of myself in that vein as yeah. as somebody's going to, this is going to really make somebody's day for me to compliment them. At the same time, you know, I think, well, man, back when I was a store manager and Don Hart was the owner and the CEO, if he ever acknowledged me in any way, I felt like it was a big deal. Yeah. Today, we're, we're much bigger than we were then, much, much bigger. Uh, and even though I don't feel it, I have to acknowledge that in my position, it's important for me to once again make other people feel valued and important and needed. Every now and then, somebody will say something to me about, you remember that note you wrote me 20 years ago? I still have it. Doesn't surprise me. And that kind of surprises me, but it also illustrates to me in a real clear way, write more notes. You know, shame on you for not encouraging more people than you have in your life. I'm a lot older than I was when I was 23. I am still trying to fulfill that because I think it's so important today to make other people feel valued. Maybe that's humility. Because I know we sometimes think the President of the United States, and you're thinking, if I were the president of the United States, you know, it'd be easy to be pretty full of yourself, probably the leader of the free world. And, 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 but you think, what can the president of the United States do on his own? Really? Right. When it comes to running the United States of America, how far would he get if he were on his own? It's a bigger platform, but it's still the same. If I were gone, Tomorrow, you know, we got plenty of capable, competent people 
at Harps that this company would continue on, would continue to be successful, and wouldn't miss a beat. But, you know, if a scanning coordinator disappeared in one of our stores next week, man, prices wouldn't get changed and a whole bunch of stuff wouldn't happen until we got somebody in there to replace them. You're right. And and I couldn't do it. You know, so totally... 100%, I am dependent on other people in order to be successful in my job, but so are we all. Mm -hmm. You know, we are all dependent on one another in order to be successful in the business that we're in. And hopefully, we're grateful to one another for making all this possible because we've done it together. Yeah, it's a good word. It's a real good word. Even myself personally, you've given me words of encouragement along the way. And in relation to what you just said, I understand you say, well, I'm not that big of a deal. But but really, it just kind of took me back. It was welcomed. I really did appreciate the note. You didn't write me a, a long two-page deal, but just, you know, just a quick word of encouragement did make a difference. And I think one of the reasons why that we do well as a company, of course, I've only been here for, I guess, a little over six years. So I've, I've seen, you know, things along the way. But as we talked about earlier, organizations take on the personality of the leader. And so all that goes all the way down to like the department, but us as a whole, you know, as an organization, as a company, the things that you do that, you know, demonstrate humility, you visit the stores, you talk to people, you talk to everybody. And that does make a big difference. And I know people appreciate you coming to groups like we had the other day, or we'll be in, you know, at the markets next week and that kind of thing. And you don't come across arrogant at all, which is a a, a breath of fresh air, really, you know, for a lot of people. I know some other CEOs that, like you said, have been, well, not quite so humble, but you know, Donnie, our friend Donnie Smith has done a great job of being a great leader and having humility and help setting the tone and help set the culture of the organization. Now, everybody wasn't perfect in it, but the overall flow of the culture was is, was definitely there. And uh, when he left, uh, I know there was a lot of people really upset. So I just want to say thanks because it's noticeable to a lot of people. And your transparency today and other times that when we've been in front of other people, that that's just flown out of your humility as an individual and as a leader. Been great to hear your story and, and those milestone markers, you know, along the way where you learn something, then you grew and you developed. And let's just take it to to a level, a spiritual level, as you do many times, that God opens doors for you. You learn those lessons, you have another opportunity. And so you've been faithful. That's been obvious. And so, you know, you have a genuine humility about it, even though you're not perfect, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's true. Yeah. And, and I've heard this in several different ways, but uh, you see people sometimes that they might mistreat a server at a restaurant or the flight attendant on an airplane or, or the ticket agent when things don't go right uh, with a flight. And, you know, it's said that how you treat those people says a lot about you as a person particularly how you treat somebody who can't do anything for you. Yes, sir. That's right. And I always try to remember that. And I hear stuff every now and then. And this is what I I mean by, by being intentional. But I think it was Harold Lloyd that actually said this, but... He talked about leaving a note for the the housekeeper in a hotel room, thanking them for all they did to make his stay so pleasant. And and that was that's just something that my wife and I have kind of noted. And I won't say we're a hundred percent, 
But frequently, when we're in a hotel room, she will write a note to the housekeeper thanking them and leaving some money sure. for taking care of us you know, on the trip. And I guess I think it's really easy to stand out today by being grateful and being generous and thoughtful because you know today it seems like being hateful is the norm Mm -hmm. and so it's impressive i believe to be grateful and generous and to be humble again in my own life those things impress me in other people because i realize that's not necessarily how most of us are wired right and you know the more genuine we are we have a talk we're doing genuine leadership next week actually and you know, one of the lessons is the real deal. And, and just being a genuine, transparent, real person is engaging for people. There's no doubt. People are automatically drawn to that. But as you said earlier, it's something we have to practice. I think after a while, it becomes a part of us. But I think on the journey of practicing, you know, I mean, we'll have our setbacks here and there. But eventually, it becomes a part of our character. It doesn't happen you know, immediately, you know, it took several years for you as it did me. And I know I have my moments of arrogance or wanting to take credit for things as well. I mean, it's something that you just have to recognize, whoa, whoa, you know, you have to stop. You say, you can't think that way. You know, I say stuff like that to myself, you know, but it's, uh, but it's true because we are oriented to do that. I've done about everything wrong that a leader can do. I hope that I've learned along the way how to be a better leader, and that's not because I've been a perfect leader. Right, yeah, yeah. It's those imperfections and your will, your willingness to acknowledge those and having a genuine, genuine understanding of who you are as a person. There's things that you do well, and there's things you don't do well, you know, but then when that comes across and that genuineness and transparency, it does make a difference. It really, it does set the tone for a meeting or just for a company as a whole. So again, just thank you for learning the lessons along the way, because we have opportunity to, uh, to experience those, you know, as a company and we're seeing great results as we all know. And, and uh, obviously you're a big part of that. So thanks. Thanks for sharing today. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bob. You know, I, I love this company. It's, it's like a family to, uh, to, me and I want it to be the kind of place that everyone whether they stay with us for a long period of time or not that they do enjoy the time that they're here because they're treated well and they're valued thanks we we appreciate you thank Thank you you very much well it's been a pleasure today Kim thank you so much for joining us and giving us some personal insight into how you practice humility and intentionality to build others up If you're still listening, thanks for tuning in today on the Harps Learning You show and make sure to join us next Friday where we'll hear from our loss prevention specialist, Travis Lee, about the dangers of gift card scammers and social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hometown Fresh channel and check the description below for more information and helpful resources related to this episode.